Today we have the opportunity to really to conclude the book of Daniel that we've been studying through together. And next week we're going to begin with the book of Nehemiah and uh, learn some lessons that he can teach us, especially as Beth Ariel moves forward and the transitions and changes that are brewing. But for now, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until now. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. Those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, It will be for a time, times, and half a time, three and a half years, it will, it, when the power of the holy people has been finally broken. All these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand, so I asked, My Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, Go your way, Daniel. Because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined. But the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of days you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. That last line is a line that all of us would rejoice over if God personally said to us, wouldn't it? Look at that last line where he says, you will rest and then at the end of days you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. I mean, that's just like a blanket promise that things are going to go well for you. You're going to experience the grace of God in fullness and you'll enter into his very presence. That's what Daniel was personally Promised. There's a sense in which we all can experience that same promise because, as I said earlier, John 3.16, whoever believes in the Son has everlasting life. Messiah himself said, has passed from death into life. Those are as personal and particular promises to you and I as this promise is to Daniel. But this promise to Daniel comes in the context of such amazing, as this verse says, astonishing prophecies, does it not? In my opinion, the book of Daniel is the most significant in all of the prophetic literature. Having taught through it, it now has become my favorite 
of prophetic literature. Think about this. This one man has given us the information of what would take place beginning with the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, the final empire that will exist on the face of the earth, and the coming of the kingdom of God. Those are rich and full statements and visions that are presented to us. And they are meant to encourage us. Now, as Daniel's last chapter, Daniel's last chapter, like I said, we don't give the best. We give our best, which may not be very best at all, but we do the best we can. But in Daniel chapter 12, Daniel tells us that at the time of the end, Michael, the prince of angels, the archangel, will stand up in behalf of his people. Important that he does because later in the same chapter, we are told that Israel is going to experience a time of judgment. He told us in, uh, what is it, verse 9, Go your way, many will be purified, made spotless and refined. Israel will come out of this in a positive way, but it will require a refining process. Zechariah tells us two-thirds of the nation, Zechariah chapter 13, tells us two-thirds of the nation shall be cut off and perish. That's the kind of suffering Israel will yet go through, an unprecedented time of judgment. But the focus will be the refinement of the nation so as to enter God's kingdom, ready to serve him, ready to worship him. The text tells us, look a little further in verse 3. He tells us, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of heaven. Those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. What an amazing promise if we are individuals who are committed to enabling others to see the glory of God. When I read that passage and thinking of Bill's presentation in the wilderness, I can't help but think of the time when Moses was on the mountain in Exodus chapter 34. And when he spent those 40 days and 40 nights in the very presence of God, When he descended from the mountain, the glory of God was so attached to him because of his communion with God and his interaction with God and his connection with God, that the glory of God permeated Moses himself. So much so that when he came down, the people were struck by the glow of the glory of God that was just shining forth from Moses. The people were fearful. So we're told that when Moses spoke to the people, he put a veil over his face. And in putting a veil over his face, it hid the shining presence of God, which frightened the people of Israel. What Daniel is telling us is like Moses, we can shine like the stars. We can manifest the very glory of God. How so? By turning others to the righteousness of God. That is to say, to turn others to the mercy of God. That is to say, to turn others to receive the grace of God. When we are instruments to make God known to others, the glory of God shines forth from us, just like it did from Moses. Now, we may not have to put a veil on our faces and hide that glory presence, But individuals, you know as well as I do that there's something unique 
happens when God shows up and we're explaining and sharing our faith with others. It happened to you. It happened to me. And it happens to others when we share with them. Maybe not immediately. Sometimes a little later, they reflect on what they had experienced, what they had heard. And they know that what had just transpired was something more than just words that were being articulated from an individual. But rather, it gripped the soul of that person. That's what it was like for me as I think back. When my friend shared with me how he had come to know God personally, there was something there that I said I wanted, but I was too prideful to say, let me receive it now. It was more I became angry because this non-Jewish person was telling me that he had come to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But deep down inside, something went off within me that said, this fella is truly telling me the truth. God was showing up. Daniel says, those that turn many to righteousness will shine like the stars in heaven. The glory of God makes itself known. Not only that, but when we are in the very presence of God and we receive from him, well done, thou good and faithful servant, we will shine with great glory and with an element of honor that God will bestow upon us. That's what the word of God means when it speaks of rewards. We will be honored by God for what God has done through us. That seems like a good deal to me. If God is going to honor me for what he does in and through my life as I am enabled to impact others, that is a great deal because it doesn't depend upon what I do. It depends upon what God chooses to do through me. Now, as Daniel goes on, there are two things that Daniel is concerned about. He sees two angels appear on two banks of the river. And one angel says to the other, when will all these things be that Daniel had just been prophesying about? This tells me that the angels themselves were listening to what Daniel had to say. The book of Peter, he writes that the angels themselves look into our lives to get a greater sense of what God is doing in bringing about salvation and redemption in the hearts and lives of individuals. The angels just cannot get enough information to satisfy all the questions they have as to how it is that these fallen people These rebellious individuals, these wayward men and women and boys and girls who are alienated from the very presence and relationship with God, how is it that God enables that to be fixed? And in all the centuries that God has been fixing the wrecks of our lack of relationship with God, the angels are amazed. They can't get enough of salvation to observe that satisfies their questions about how is it that God does this? You and I rarely think about that once we've experienced salvation. Is that not true? We rarely reflect on what God had done for me, for me some 40 years ago. What God is still doing in me. I just take for granted. I go get up in the morning, I do what I have to do, and I go through my day. But that whole day is the work of salvation and redemption in my heart and in my life. 
It's the transformative power of God. And the angels watch. That's what Peter says. They can't get enough of it. And this is Daniel. And they're asking, what does this all mean? What is its significance? One angel doesn't just raise one hand, but he raises both his hands. And he swears by God. He's making an oath of what will transpire with regard to what God has said. And Daniel, he keeps asking, so what does this mean? What does this mean? And what fascinates me is God's answer to him. Twice, the Lord says through these, angel, to, through these angels, Daniel, go your way. And secondly, we have seen the fulfillment of the Greek empire. We have seen the completion of the Roman empire. We are living in a day and age where we are seeing the powers of empires of greater uh, degree of committing violence and war more than any other time in human history. And what we read in the book of Revelation, what we read in the book of Daniel, we now look back and we say, much of what has transpired here can be understood to a greater degree, much greater degree, than what Daniel was ever to know in his day. So Daniel is told, Seal the book. It is my word to Israel and to the world. Seal the book because the events that I have just informed you of will not come to fruition and be seen until the last days and until the end of days. But they will be seen and they will occur. In light of that, what are we to do? Daniel is told, go your way. I think that is so anticlimactic. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like after all this stuff, wouldn't you expect him to say, so go to Israel and stand on the mountaintop and proclaim to all the world all that has transpired. But he doesn't tell him that. Wouldn't you think that God would say to him through these angels, in light of all this stuff you've been told, Go to the emperor of Persia. Go to the leaders of Israel. Go to the elders, Zerubbabel, Joshua, the high priest, and make known the need to follow in his ways. But he doesn't. He tells them, just go your way. I think sometimes we fail to realize how important it is that we live our lives. Just live our lives. And go from one moment to the next as unto the Lord. We think that the events must be significant and highfalutin and just sort of out there somewhere in order for God to really make himself known. But what God tells Daniel, and I think to us, is live your life. Live it faithfully before God. Live your life moment by moment in obedience to him. It's not really hard stuff. It's simply live your life rightly. Live it as unto the Lord. Walk in his ways. It's not as if Daniel had these dreams every day of his life. He had a normal life like you and I. It's just that they were interrupted by these very unique bursts of God's presence into his life. But most of his life is simply just normal stuff. That you get up in the morning, you eat, you go to work, you take care of your family, you come home, you go to sleep, 
and you wait for the next day. It's not filled with all of these high mountain experiences moment by moment. It's simply a life in which we go our way. Walk in the way that God has paid for us. Do what God has enabled us to do. What he has trained us to do. What he has gifted us to do. Live your life faithfully unto God. The sealing of the book suggests obey the words that are here. And I'm struck in these final words in verse 9. He says, go your way. Many will be purified, made spotless, and refined. The wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. We are not going to be able to change our world dramatically in all of its ways. But there are little places where we can make a dramatic difference in our world. Last night, if you weren't here for Ted Pierce's concert, first time I ever heard him live, he was incredible. He was just wonderful. We had about 100 people here or so, I guess. And he was just such a wonderful vehicle of God to bring his presence into our world and into our moment. And I was particularly struck. I didn't really understand this whole march thing, march of remembrance. I know that we helped Eitan participate in the march of remembrance that went up to uh, Lithuania, I think it was, or Latvia, Lithuania. But um, So I didn't really know much of what it was. Well, when he explained it and how it originated in Tübingen and the university setting and the anti-Semitism that permeated that city and that university and then that nation and then that continent and ultimately that world. As he shared about the way that anti-Semitism just spread like a wildfire and how now some 60 years later after those events or so, Descendants of those individuals who perpetrated such heinous crimes and horrific things against the Jewish people and others in Europe, like gypsies and others. But when you saw the images of individuals, sometimes groups of thousands, sometimes groups of maybe less than a hundred, marching in these cities throughout Europe and around the world with the Israeli flag held high and their nation's flag held high and these banners speaking about remembering what had transpired during the Holocaust and what has happened in Israel's history, the Jewish people's history throughout all of time and all of that persecution and anti-Semitism that has permeated our world and our history and here are little pockets little vignettes of individuals standing up to manifest righteousness in the eyes of people. Showing, especially those who's come from descendants who had perpetrated evils against the Jewish people that could stand up and say, please forgive us for what we have done. And acknowledging, to some degree, and whatever that means, everybody has different opinions about that, but acknowledging their family's connection to these horrific events and their own connection to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their love for him and their desire to show the world their love for the Jewish Messiah, and their sense of shame that relatives of mine, family members of mine, would be connected with such horrific events. 
Even though they were just small little vignettes, it didn't turn the world upside down, but it turned some individuals' lives around, that's for sure. It may not have changed the nature of many people who saw them marching. And perhaps some even looked and said, what are those people doing? And what does it matter? But there were some that were touched, no doubt. And some that were brought to their knees. And some that were brought to a living faith. And so our lives are not filled with that kind of stuff. Those are moments that occur. Our lives are filled with simply going our way. And when there are opportunities for that kind of unique manifestation of God's presence in and through your life, we must yield and follow and obey. But for the most part, like Daniel, God tells us, go your way. Seal up the words and truths of the book in your heart. Live as unto me. Embrace my son whom I have sent. You know, when the people of Israel saw the ministry of Messiah when he came, and they asked, what must we do to do the will of God? Messiah's answer was very simple. Believe in the one whom he has sent. It's not really hard. I suppose there's a way we could look at it that seems very difficult. Because you must surrender the way you look at life. We have to reorient our lives to look at things differently. But on the other hand, it's very simple. Because it's an act of surrender. When armies are moved to that point, it may have been hard getting there. It may have involved a great deal of pain and suffering and death along the way. But when finally the swords are put down or the guns are silenced, it's really, all not, it's really not all that hard. And that's the war that rages in our hearts as well. It's hard to finally surrender. But once we do it, it's not so hard. And the glory of God takes residence in our lives and the gift of salvation becomes a reality. And the transformation takes place. And when we go our way, it's actually really something and not something insignificant. So Daniel is given all this revelation. He's given all of this information and he himself could not understand much of it. You and I can understand a lot more than Daniel had. That means you and I are much more accountable for what we know and what we do with the knowledge that we have. You and I know that Messiah has come. You and I know that he has fulfilled the prophecies of Scripture that spoke of his coming. You and I know that the prophecies Daniel was given all have come true to the minutest of details. You and I know that the book of Daniel and all books associated with it are indeed the word of God. And you and I truly know in the depths of our heart that it is God who we desire more than anything else in the world. You know that we are all attempting to build our lives and our identity on something. 
And if you're not building your identity on God, you're building it on something else. Because within each and every heart, there is the desire for self-worth. The desire to look oneself in the mirror and say, I really matter and what I do is important. All of us want to go to the grave thinking that we have made a difference in some way. And thus we're all attempting to build our identity, our sense of worth on something. Some of us build it on our families. And we build it on being good parents. And when we turn around and we find out that their kids have not lived up to our ideals or desires, we feel like we have failed as parents. If you build your life on parenting, you will build your life on the basis of an identity that you will find yourself feeling miserable about. Because we're all limited and we all fail in some respect with regard to our children. If you build yourself on your careers, there will be a time when you will find yourself fired and you're no longer pursuing the career of your dreams. One day you'll get older and you may not be able to do the career you desire to do. If that is where you'll get your self-worth when you lose your job, you will then lose your sense of who you are and you'll feel again like a failure, and that I have missed out on what it truly means. If you build your life on money, there will come a time when it will no longer be there in the bank. And you and I know that wealthy individuals, when asked how much is enough, the answer always is a little bit more. There's that sense of lack of fulfillment Because we all have a fulfillment need in our hearts that can only be filled when we build our identity on God himself. Augustine said, our lives are not rightly ordered. And that's because we value things wrongly. We don't value the things we ought. And it's revealed in our failure to value God and the God of the Bible. When you build your identity on God, you will find a love and acceptance that will never be rejected. He will always love you, and he will never fail you. We will fail him, but he is such a gracious and loving God that when we do, He will always forgive us. And none of us, when we repent of our sin, acknowledge our sin, ever do so completely. We have no idea as to the degree to which we are alienated from God, lost from Him. But we equally don't have any idea of the depths of the love and grace of God. It knows no bounds. And so Daniel's told, go your way. And so are we. And the way that God would have us to go is to live our life in him. To live our life identified with him. Then when the end of our days comes, 
will look back. Whatever we have done, wherever we've succeeded or failed, it will be okay. Because our identity is not on any of those things. It's on him and him alone. If there is a word in the book of Daniel, it is to trust in the Lord. He is the sovereign God of the universe who's bringing these events to bear in our world. Why? So that God does not hide from us, but so that he is revealed and made known. He told Daniel what would transpire. The things have transpired. Why? So that we would find him. Not so that he would be obscure, but so that he would be obvious. And the reality is, he is obvious. And we all know it. We just transform what we really know about God into all these other things, and we deify them rather than acknowledge the one who alone is deity himself. Do not allow this day or even this moment to pass you by as you sense and hear God speak to you. And you know this is true. May it be now that you would invite him into your life, acknowledge him for who he is, and go your way in the normal concourse of life with the supernatural presence of God in your heart and the loving grace of God just enveloping you from head to toe. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for this wonderful man of God who had revealed to him such astounding and astonishing revelations of what you would do in our world. May we, like him, indeed go our way faithfully following you to the best of our ability in yieldedness to you as our God and our King. May we build our, our, our identity on who you are and nothing less. May we rejoice that in finding you, all of our sin can be forgiven.